When is the church going to wake up? It's built for more than just Sunday morning. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is time for the church to rise up and make war. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waists with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. That is Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. You may recognize this scripture from the intro for this podcast, but today I want to talk about what each of the parts of the armor of God are for. Because you can't make war against the enemy if you don't know your tools, if you don't know your armor. Um, when David, back in the Old Testament, was taking food to his brothers on the battlefield, he encountered a giant, and this giant was making fun of God making fun of the Israelites, making fun of the God of Israel. And so David, he doesn't put up with it. So he's like, who is this Philistine that he speaks against the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I'm going to challenge him, since all of you guys are cowering here in the tent. I'm going to challenge him. So, and he talks to the king of Israel this way, who was Saul at the time, and he tells Saul that he's going to challenge him. So Saul's like, here, take my armor. Let me give you my armor. And David puts it on, and it's honestly quite big for him. 
So he takes it off. He's like, no, I can't use this. I have not proved them yet. As in, he hasn't broken them in. He's not used to that armor. He doesn't know the armor. But what he does know is that while he's taking care of his father's sheep, he's wrestled a lion and a bear or a lion and wolves. He's taken animals down. And in doing so, he's learned to use the tools of his craft. In this case, he carried a slingshot with him and a staff. And those were the things he would use against the predators who would come for that sheep. So since that's what he knew, that's what he used. Now later on, David becomes king. Spoiler alert. Uh, David becomes king of Israel, and yes, he eventually has his own armor, carries a sword and everything, but he learned how to use it properly. He learned what each piece of armor, the vital function that it served, he learned all of that so he could carry it, but first, he had to use what he had, which in this case was a slingshot and a staff. And he ends up taking down a giant with a slingshot. Now granted, God was behind him when he did that. And that's honestly not the point I'm making. It's you have to know your armor. You have to be familiar with the armor you're putting on. Because if you're not, it will be worthless to you. Um... So here we go. So in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Therefore take up the whole armor, not part of the armor. Don't just pick and choose which bits of the armor of God that you like. No, he says, take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, because... It's not saying that there might be a day. No, he's like, in that evil day, in that day, which I promise you that day is coming. There is coming a day where the integrity of Christians will be tested. The integrity of holiness in the Western Church will be challenged. In fact, it already has been challenged. And there will be persecution like we've never seen it. However, there will also come out of that persecution the greatest harvest the world has seen yet. And it'll be the final harvest. And so we need to have our armor on so we can withstand, we can stand securely having done all to stand, as in, like, not just so we can stand there and look good, but no, it's going to be a fight. It will be a struggle to stand. You will have done all to stand. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand. 
And then he says, stand therefore. Like, that's right. Having done all the stand, so stand. Having your loins girded, or having, having girded your waist with truth. Now, it's no coincidence that truth is what's being attacked right now in our culture. Right now, if it's true for you, then it's true for you. That's the way our culture is di- has been dictating. It's not. There's no longer an objective truth where this is this or this is that. No, this could be this or this could be that, depending on your perspective, depend- depending on your opinion of how it should look. And so with that idea, they have started attacking truth. And when you, when you speak the truth, they attack it. If you're not living a holy, righteous life, and you're caught in a lie, then you are caught with your pants down. It's embarrassing. It keeps you from doing what you want to do. And on top of it, the belt, when it comes to the armor, is what supports other things to keep your hands free to do what they need to do. So, having your waist girded with truth is important. But this belt... This belt of truth isn't just about being honest. Because, you see, Scripture has a duality to it. Uh, First, there's the physical that it's talking about. And then, there's the spiritual side of things as well. Now, yes, we are talking about spiritual warfare. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, it's against demonic forces at work within our nation, within the world, trying to push a specific agenda that the church has been too quiet, that the church has been too quiet to do anything about. So you have to put on your belt of truth. Now, It's not just about being honest and speaking the truth and declaring the truth and standing for truth. But we have to ask ourselves, what is truth? It's the same question Pontius Pilate asked Jesus before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus had answered that question to his disciples. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Those are Jesus' words. Which means, Jesus is truth. Now, I'm sure you're asking, what do you mean by that? Jesus is truth. It means, Jesus is the final say. Well, what about this? Well, what does Jesus have to say about that? Well, what about this? What does what would Jesus have to say about that? 
What does the Bible say? Because in John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. So, if Jesus is the Word, and Jesus is truth, that means the Word is truth. That means we need to be proclaiming the Word to the nations. Proclaiming the truth. Proclaiming Jesus to the nation having put Jesus on as our belt of truth and taking on his name. Then he says, putting on, and then he says, and putting on the breastplate of righteousness. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the breastplate is what covers the chest and the stomach. It covers the vital organs. And we're told we will receive a robe of righteousness in heaven. It covers us. It protects us. Righteousness is right standing with God. Now, there's only one way to be in right standing with God. Because there's nothing you or I can do to earn right standing with God. Nothing. Because God is holy. He is set apart. He is righteous. He does not sin. So he is way up here, and we are way down here when it comes to our ability to be good. And when it comes to our own goodness, or our own right standing. And so we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And remember, this is the armor of God. That means this is God's armor he's giving to us. You cannot earn this breastplate. It is given to you. And our righteousness is found in Christ. Our righteousness is through Jesus. So when you put on that righteousness, you are putting on Christ because we are the righteousness of Christ. And he goes on to continue, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That preparation that comes from the gospel of peace is amazing because that means you are prepared for anything. Because when you go to war, like let's take our soldiers for example. When you go to war, when they go to war, they wear boots. And those boots are designed with a very specific purpose in mind. Protect their feet. Protect where they are going. And make sure that no matter what terrain they're walking on, they have sure footing. They have good steps everywhere they step. And so, when Paul is talking about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, he's talking about the gospel of peace for one. That's what Jesus did for us. Like, I know that no matter what happens to me here on this earth, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, like, the apostles, when they were beaten, they, they counted it joy that they could be considered worthy of the same, of being beaten for Christ's sake. That's the kind of preparation of the gospel of peace we're talking about, where it doesn't matter what happens to you here. 
Because you know you're just passing through. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Then he continues, Above all, taking the shield of faith, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you take the shield of faith, prepped with the gospel of peace, so you know that your footing is going to be sure, put the shield in front of you, with stepping out with truth, covered in righteousness, and the shield of faith. Now, let's talk about faith for a little bit. It's interesting, at least in my opinion, that Paul calls it a shield of faith. Because that, that's exactly what our faith is. Now, I'm not talking about the blind faith that says, Oh, well, I don't know why that is. That's what we have faith for. No, see, faith is not a blind faith. Faith in God is not blind, I promise you. For those of you who live in cold climates, if you go walking out on the lake when it's 40 below, like 40 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. I'm not sure what that is Celsius, but when it's really cold out and there's a layer of ice on the lake, you go walking out on it. Are you nervous when you walk out on it? Chances are, maybe the first time or the second time, you might be nervous when you go walking out on it. However... After that first couple times, then you take the stroll out. You know that this ice will support me. That no matter how I step, the ice will support me. Or what about the chair you're sitting in? Did you know 100% that the chair you sat down in to listen to this was going to support you? Or did you just think it did because it has always supported you? Or imagine you're from a country that has never seen a fast food restaurant. Imagine you're, you move to the U.S. from a deserted island somewhere. Or like from somewhere deep in the Amazon. Imagine you move to the U.S. And you... S and you made friends with somebody, and they're like, dude, I've got to show you this. Are you hungry? And he's like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And so you guys go to McDonald's. Not a sponsor, by the way. But you go to McDonald's. You're driving your vehicle, and you're already amazed that this guy's driving this vehicle. Like, It's like a horse, but enclosed. And I don't know what to do about it, but anyway, it just somehow goes when I... When he hits the pedal and it turns when he does that, like, you're already mind-blown, but you ride with him to McDonald's. And you get behind other cars, and you're sitting in line. You move forward, and you get to this big metal box with a brightly lit screen on it. And all of a sudden comes this voice. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. What can I get for you? You're like, whoa, that's cool. And then, the guy who you're with starts talking to the glowing talking box. 
He goes, well, I'd like this and this and this and this. And then, like, the glowing talking box shows what he said. And he's like, that'll be fifteen ninety five. Please pull forward. And so he drives around. You get to the first window. Now, you haven't seen a single person yet, but you get to the first window. And you give the person money. And they give you a piece of paper, and that's it. Now, I'm sure you'd be confused. Like, you've never seen this before, and you've just talked to a glowing talking box, pulled around, gave this random person money who, if you're in a new city, you've never met this person before in your life, and they give you a piece of paper. And then you pull forward to the next window, and that's where you finally get the food that you were hungry for. Now, we do this without even thinking about the fact that it takes some faith to do that. But it's not a blind faith, it's a tested faith. And, like, when you... How do I put this? It's a tested faith because you've done it before, you've had experience with this, and so it's tested. Faith in God is the same way. He has never let me down, therefore I have faith in Him. Now, yes, there is a small moment where I had to look at how how it worked with someone else. I had to see that. Like, oh, wow, he really doesn't let, let people down, does he? Okay, I'll put my faith in him. And so you do that, and it's not a blind faith. Now, when we're talking about war and a shield, you don't put the shield on your back and go, go charging it into arrows. It just doesn't make sense. You don't act, and therefore you have a shield. No, you put the shield out in front of you. The shield precedes the movement. Faith precedes action. True faith will always proceed the action. The action will be a result of the faith and not a cause of faith. And the scripture says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That means our faith isn't even our own faith. That's why it's called the armor of God, because it's God's armor that he is giving to you to make war with. That you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, because you know, oh no, I've got, like, Satan's taking shots at me, but it's okay, God's never let me down. I can trust him. I have faith in him. Like, eventually, the more and more experience you have with God, the more your faith builds, which means the greater that shield and the bigger God becomes to you. But you have to... But that faith is given to you. Scripture says everyone is dealt a certain measure of faith. And so you have that faith, and the more you use it, the more it grows. And the more it grows, the more protected you become with that faith. And the greater the faith, and the, and the more pleasing to God you become. Now don't get me wrong, just coming to Jesus, he's already pleased with you. Like, like 
you're blessed and highly favored already. So, anyway, and then he continues, taking the helmet of salvation. Now, helmets protect the head. They protect the mind. Because when you know that your salvation is not of your own accord, when you know that you are no longer responsible for saving yourself, there's peace. Your mind can rest easy because your mind is protected and on top of that, when demonic thoughts try to enter into your mind, you have that helmet there that can say, No, I'm not your Satan. I'm a child of the living God. Those thoughts cannot stay in Jesus' name. And so that salvation protects us. It protects the head. It keeps you from losing your head. Then he says, in the sword of the spirit. So the, the sword of the spirit, the weapon of the spirit is the word of God. And it's the spoken word of God. Not just the whole scriptures, but no, it's spoken word. As in, when things come against you and start attacking you, you can speak scripture and fight against it. That's the only offensive weapon that we are given in this. Everything else is defensive. But you can even use the sword or the word of God as a defensive weapon. So, the thing that God through Holy Spirit uses to pierce hearts is the word of God because it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That is why it's a sword and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to divide between bone and marrow. It's able to discern the thoughts of people so when you read scripture and that's all you give, then it gives room for the Holy Spirit to work. And again, John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's the manifestation of God. It's the physical spoken Word of God. Then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. He's saying you need to be constantly in communication with the Father. Because as you do that, as like you're studying your word, you can get from God. Because the Spirit can use that to root out anything in you that is not good. And with prayer and supplication in the Spirit... And so, it's not, it's just, like, supplication is your intervening on someone else's behalf. Like, like, let's say our community, you are persistently, almost to the point of begging 
on behalf of some something or someone else. He says in the spirit. That means, like, it's not just, like, he's not just saying, like, oh, dear Lord, thank you, but no, constantly tuned into the communication line with God. Because that line is always open, it's just, are you tuned into it? And so letting your spirit pray. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, no. But constantly, like, intervening on someone's behalf or constantly, constantly, um, praying on someone's behalf or something's behalf. And he says, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, as in you should be praying for other Christians, whether you agree with their theology or not, or whether you agree with certain doctrines they teach or certain actions they take or certain liberties they take, whether you agree with that or not, you should still be praying for them. And he continues, and he's like, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, and that should be our prayer as Christians, that God would give us the words to speak, so we can speak boldly in this time, where the church has been silent, we can rise up, we can speak boldly as we are as we are to speak to make known the mystery of the gospel, to make known the mystery of the good news of Jesus Christ that that we've all messed up. We've all done things wrong. We've all we all fall short of God's glory because Jesus is the standard, and that's perfection, which we can never, ever, ever meet on our own. And God knew, and God knows that we cannot meet that standard. So he sent Jesus to show us the standard, and then take our penalty for missing that standard. So then we can be raised to that standard because of him. So then we could spend eternity with God. He sac God sacrificed his son, his only son, so that you and I could spend eternity with him. That's the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul was asking for them to give him utterance, to open his mouth. And I pray the same thing for the church today, that he gives his body utterance. He gives his body the words to proclaim the gospel that they may speak boldly as they ought to speak. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Because, in short, putting on the full armor of God is putting on Jesus. Because then it's not you 
who lives, but Christ in you and through you. Because you are putting on Christ. You are no longer your own. You've died to yourself and you are living in Christ. Because when you've died to yourself, you're also dead to sin. Because dead men can't pay bills. Like, dead men cannot pay back debts. We are debtors to sin before Christ. But after Christ, we become dead to sin so that debt is canceled and now we live in Christ. And so when we put on the whole armor of God, we are putting on Christ. And any part that's left exposed is not godly and it needs to be covered by the righteousness of Christ, by the holiness of Christ. And when we do that, the world looks at you and they see Jesus. And the world looks at you and they see the Father because they see the love that the Father has for them. They see you loving them as Jesus would love them, and in turn they see the Father. Because the disciples asked Jesus, they're like, Jesus, show us the Father, and that would be enough. And Jesus' response was, have I not been with you so long that you have not seen the Father? I tell you, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because Jesus was walking out the perfect will of God. He was walking out the will of God. And so in doing that, he, he was in unison with the Father. And so when they look at Jesus, they see the nature of God. We as Christians, we as followers of Christ, sharing in the Holy Spirit that Jesus carried, we ought to look like Jesus to the world. Like the world should see us and be like, there's something different about them. So then, the world won't ask, show us Jesus. They will see Jesus all over you. And then when you walk into a room, and the enemy has filled the room with negativity, the enemy has filled the room with demonic spirits, you walk into the room carrying Jesus. You walk into the room and the, wor and the world sees Jesus. That means those demons tremble when you walk into the room. Because it's not you who walked into the room but Jesus. And if you've ever read any of the stories about Jesus casting out demons, when they saw Jesus, they fell down and worshipped. Now, it's not about demons worshipping you. No, it's about carrying Christ with you wherever you go, that even the demons tremble. So now, as I bring this to a close... If any of you have prayer requests, like if you're sick, if you're injured, if you're being oppressed by demonic forces or demonic powers, or whatever it is, whatever your prayer request is for, send me a message. Uh, it can be either through anger or find me on Facebook. Whatever you have to do, get a hold of me.
Send me a message and I will pray with you. I will pray for you. But Father, thank you. Thank you for this encouraging word, Lord. Thank you that you love the person on the other end of this microphone. Thank you that you have a purpose for them. Thank you that it's that they have hope that the the permanent solution to their temporary problem doesn't have to happen. So Lord, I just speak your peace. I send your peace out as this podcast fills a room. I send your peace out that it can rest on whoever listens to this. Father, whoever's listening to this and they need healing, just speak healing in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, whether it's just a bum shoulder or a bad knee or even a bad back, all that pain has to go right now in Jesus' name. Completely gone. Because, Lord, you are that good. Father, I just thank you for this. I thank you for for just pouring out your blessings on these listeners, Lord. And just continue to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.